The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Interest rates on the rise again, and it could hit stocks and your money. Tech futures down big as the 10-year yield pops. It is another big week for the banks. Earnings set to drop, so will the stocks as well. On the rise, oil back above 85 a barrel, demand booming, and now power prices in the Northeast are surging too. U.S. lawmakers meeting with Ukraine's president as its ongoing crisis with Russia lingers over Europe. And it's the 5G fight in the sky as the battle between airlines and the cell phone companies really takes off. It is Tuesday, January 18th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Tuesday morning. Let us get right to it now and get a check on your money and how it's starting this four-day week. And it is not looking good right now. Either refill the coffee, maybe go back to bed, because futures, they are down across the board. Dow futures down just under 1%, but NASDAQ and tech is what you need to watch. That is the market leader, the big tech stocks. They carry literally and figuratively nearly all the weight in this market. And NASDAQ futures are down about 1.75%. You can see the fair value there, a little in the green, but overall looking like it could be a rough start to the market. Now, the stock market this year has really already been marked by a big flip from years past. You've got big oil and big banks. They're kind of hot over here. Big tech is not. The problem is that technology, again, carries the weight. So when it moves, it moves the indexes, even though certain stocks can do well when the overall market goes down. Now, in fact, it did not get a lot of play last week. But with last week's move, the overall NASDAQ composite is now negative over the past three months and looks to accelerate that today. NASDAQ 100's higher, but the overall NASDAQ comp now down in the past 90 days. Bonds, as we said, a big reason. And the 10-year yield is popping again this morning. It is back above 1.8%. Those are pre-pandemic highs in borrowing costs. Oil also moving higher, and it could break above its October highs today or this week. 85.41 is the number, and if so, those would be eight-year highs for the price of oil. We're at 85.04 right now, and we'll get a check on the cryptos as well because cryptos, they've been going in different ways. Many of the smaller ones have come up. The bigger ones, the Bitcoins of the world, they have come down. And that's exactly what's happening right now. you got Ether, Litecoin, Bitcoin. They are lower, while many of the smaller players lately have done very well. All right, let's go now around the world. Markets in Asia ending their day mostly lower. Japan's central bank raising its near-term inflation expectations. And as you can see behind Juliana, there is a lot of red on the screen. Juliana's in our London newsroom. I guess, good morning, Julia, I guess... It's morning. I don't know if it's good. (laughs) 
Well, Brian, as you can see behind me, it is a sea of red. If you can see behind me, I am blending into the wall more than I expected today. We seem to be tracking the negative sentiment that you're seeing stateside in those U.S. futures, Brian. The stock 600 is currently down about 1.3 percent. So pulling back after yesterday saw a pretty decent performance. The stock 600 gaining about 0.7 percent. We are seeing a particularly outsized sell-off in technology stocks. That sector is underperforming this morning. From a regional perspective, this is what the split looks like. The losses are fairly broad-based. We've got about 1.3 percent worth of losses for the German index, the French market down about 1.1. A little bit more resilience here in the UK, but still FTSE 100 down 0.9 percent. Now, one thing, Brian, we are watching very closely today, that is the German Bund yield, the 10-year in particular. We are hovering, flirting with that 0 percent mark. If we did see the German Bund yield cross into positive territory, it would be the first time it's done so in nearly three years. So that's something to watch in the hours and days ahead. Brian, we'll hand it back over to you. Yeah, hard to believe, but it actually may turn positive for the first time in three years. <laughs> My, how times have changed. Juliana Tattlebaum, thank you very much. All right, now let's get to some of this morning's top stories, including on the latest conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Savannah now is here now with that and more. Good morning, Savannah. Good morning, Brian. That's right. So let's start with a bipartisan group of seven U.S. senators who've traveled to Ukraine seeking to reaffirm the U.S.'s commitment to that country over a threat of an invasion by Russia. The lawmakers met with Ukraine's president yesterday in the capital of Kiev and are expected to push strong recommendations to their congressional colleagues about boosting sanctions against Russia. Meanwhile, the U.K. has sent short-range anti-tank missiles to Ukraine, and officials say a small team of British troops will also be sent to that country to provide training. Researchers out of Israel out with new data suggesting a fourth vaccine dose shows limited success in combating the Omicron variant. A hospital in that country began administering the additional jabs of the Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna vaccines to nearly 300 medical workers last month. Officials say while the trial found increases in antibodies slightly higher than after the third dose, the increased antibodies did not prevent the spread of Omicron. Back here in the U.S., the COVID surge fueled by Omicron is showing signs of slowing in some areas hit earliest by the variant. Data shows New York, Maryland, Connecticut, New Jersey and Washington, D.C. have all seen dramatic drops in new cases and hospitalizations recently following that spike. And Walmart is making a move into the metaverse. According to patent and trademark documents filed late last month, the retail giant plans to make and sell virtual goods. In a separate filing, the company also said it would offer users a virtual currency as well as NFTs. Brian? All right, Savannah, now we'll see you back in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, now let's get back to the markets and your money. And really, there are three things that you need to watch right today, this week, in the near term. All right, number one, that is bond yields. As they go up, tech stocks tend to go down. Number two, oil. It's on the rise again, nearing eight-year highs. And three, earnings and guidance. In fact, several more banks and financials are on tap with their results today and this week, including Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley. United and American Airlines also out, and you got Netflix and big oil services company Schlumberger also on tap. Let's kind of put it all in the mix, talk about what it all means, and bring in Bill Stone. He is chief investment officer of the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, 
Great to have you on with your perspective. We're seeing yields pop. We're seeing technology down. Do you think that is a trend that will continue? Or is this kind of a a near-term wonder to start the year? Well, I think we have the opportunity that it can keep going for a bit. Because I think the underlying, you you hit it on the head, rising rates have been troublesome for the tech uh, side. The other side is that really valuations on the growth side, tech being the biggest part of that, are very expensive relative to kind of the value side of the equation. Whether it continues to work, I don't know, but certainly value in general has been a beneficiary and the financials uh, in particular from the rising rates. Yeah, and I want to make I don't want to make too much of it. I the 10-year yields have been on the rise and I but we're only back to two-year high. It's not like the 10-year yield is yielding three and a half or four percent. But I do wonder if it's the velocity of the move, the you know, how fast everything has changed in just literally 15 to 20 trading days early this year at the end of next year. The VIX is up. I think it feels like the market kind of got punched in the face a bit. Well, I mean, I think you can say the market got extremely complacent last year. So my easy measure on complacency is we were only ever down 5% inter-year last year. That is in the top 10 lowest. So never have we not had a worse inter-year down the next year. Yeah, and you do wonder, and you say, you know, the market's got complacent. I will say the market is really just a collection of individuals. So without offending our entire audience, Bill, I will say that maybe individuals got complacent. I mean, the same things worked in investing for not months, not quarters, but years. And I will bet you there's 30%, 40% of professional investment advisors who have never managed client money in a rising interest rate environment because interest rates really haven't been on the rise in about 10 years. Well, and and certainly in value hasn't worked in 10 years other than in short increments. So you're right. I mean, it it made sense to pile into one side of the boat. And what side of the boat is the best side to pile into right now if one (laughs) were to pile in one side? Are Are you suddenly all in? on big oil again, because it seems like everybody else has kind of, you know, forgotten about ESG and now all of a sudden they're making some money and oil stocks are on vogue again. As you know, oil and energy is tough. You know, you really got to get the oil prices right. I don't know if I'm good enough for that. So I won't pile in there. I think you just got to make sure you have a balanced portfolio, have some value in there. <clears throat> I would also say, make sure you upgrade in quality because, Rising rates and the Fed, you know, raising rates three and now priced in four times, that should move towards quality companies. Bill Stone of the Glenview Trust Company. Certainly it is quite the rotation so far in 2022. (laughs) Bill, we appreciate your views. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, folks, we have got a lot more to do on a very busy Tuesday. More on oil's big spike back to nearly eight-year highs. We'll talk about what's really driving prices coming up. Plus, it is not just oil. Nearly every commodity higher in the past year. Bank of America's Francisco Blanche is here and how you can make some money from this. And later, the big retailer Kohl's under some financial fire. Coming the latest company to face investor pressure to do 
something, anything to boost its stock price. We've got a lot more to do. Futures down big. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody. Oil is on the rise again this morning. Crude oil here in the U.S. nearing eight-year highs, back above 85 a barrel, 85.41 really is that eight-year high number. Overseas, it is closing to $90 per barrel. There is more demand than supply. That is the main reason that prices are higher. But there are also new geopolitical worries as well, and it's not just Ukraine and Russia. This weekend, Yemeni rebels claim responsibility for drone and missile strikes on a fuel depot near the airport in Abu Dhabi yesterday. Three people were killed, and the Houthis warned they could target more facilities. Well, the UAE says it reserves the right to respond. Let's talk about all of this with Amrita Sen, founder and director of research at Energy Aspects. Amrita, great to have you on this morning. Uh, how much of oil's recent move is just plain old supply demand? How much is growing tension, Russia, Ukraine, now in Abu Dhabi? Look, geopolitics always matters, but it only matters when supply-demand fundamentals are very tight. So ultimately, what is driving this market is the fact that fundamentals remain incredibly strong. Demand is recovering. I think Omicron fears have been fading for some time now. Um, and you are seeing just generally economies uh, not closing down and the governments are effectively keeping them open because uh, the pressure on hospitals just haven't been as high as what people were initially expecting. And we have been warning for months, if not years, that there is a huge amount of underinvestment. Um, OPEC's spare capacity has been dwindling. And, you know, the biggest issue is inventories are near record lows and we're just not building seasonally like we should be. And that's why geopolitics actually matters. You know, we've had chats before when a lot of these Houthi attacks have happened and oil hasn't moved. Um, so again, it just shows you how tight the market is. So any form of um, kind of geopolitical tensions, and especially if you think about Ukraine, like you've mentioned as well, it's not even directly linking up to oil, uh, but just, just these tensions yeah. do add up uh, to those kind of strong fundamentals. Yeah, and, that, and that's more the Ukraine-Russia, more of a natural gas story, too, with, with Nord Stream 2, the Yamal pipeline, sort of Putin sort of flexing to try to make sure Ukraine doesn't join NATO. Let's go back to just crude, plain old crude oil. And there are going to be calls because OPEC will be an easy target for U.S. politicians. There'll be calls for OPEC to raise output. The question is, can OPEC raise output above and beyond that 400,000 barrels a day that it already is? Because, Amrita, as you know more than I do, some countries, Saudi Arabia, UAE, they could raise their output 
Others may not be able to, and under their deal, they all have to go in together. It's the 14 musketeers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is critical, right? And, and like you said, I am sure uh, the headlines around SPRs will continue to uh, come in thick and fast, that you're going to get politicians pointing fingers at OPEC again. Uh, but I think OPEC have done a fantastic job in keeping the market stable. I mean, if you look at the volatility in oil prices versus, you, like you mentioned, natural gas, it has been nothing in comparison. The deal is to add 400,000 barrels per day every single month. But, of course, the challenge that OPEC Plus faces right now is that they are are adding about half of that volume because several countries, particularly in Africa, are just unable to add their um, share of the quotas because, again, of underinvestment, uh, production is declining. And I think that is absolutely the challenge. But again, you know, just a month ago or even um, uh, less than a month ago, people were asking about will OPEC pause or will OPEC cut because Omicron fears were very, very high. So again, they are navigating this, but they are adding every month. Yes, the challenge remains that spare capacity just isn't as high as it is on paper. And something, you know, again, um, we have been talking about this for months, and that's where the upside risk to oil prices comes from. And we saw a release from the U.S. emergency reserves in late November to try to ease prices, got a bit of a brief pause there, although that was probably more pandemic-related than anything, because this is a swap from the SPR, as we call it here. It's not a sale. It's a big difference. In other words, the U.S. government will, will give oil companies oil and oil out of the SPR, but then they've got to return it. So really it wasn't seen as much of a market aspect. Is there any sign that U.S. production, new drilling, is going to rise anytime in the near future? I don't see it. What about you? Not in the near future. There's just too many supply side constraints with rig availability, even labor shortages. I was in Houston not that long ago and meeting all our producer clients, and this was unanimous. Um, I do think, given how strong their cash flows have been, second half of this year, uh, we have baked in some production growth as well as these supply chain uh, shortages ease. Again, maybe that's wishful thinking for now, but that's what we're baking in. And talking to these producers will also suggest that they are potentially looking to add some production in the second half of the year. But in the short term, no. Yeah, because we got to forget it comes down to finance. A lot of banks have been basically prevented from lending money for anything having to do with fossil fuel projects. Amrita Sen, uh, energy aspects always value your insight. Amrita, have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Still on deck. BlackRock CEO in a bit of a weird spot. Some claim he's He's putting issues ahead of profits. It's usually the other way around, isn't it? His new comments to corporate America, straight ahead. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Yeah, a lot of red on the screen. Stock futures, they are down big. We'll get more on that in a moment. But right now, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines, including part of the East Coast cleaning up this morning after some nasty winter weather over the weekend. NBC's Philip Man is in New York with Adam Moore. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Brian. Good morning. The Senate Democrats are making a stand on voting rights today, despite long odds of any legislation passing. Senators are expected to debate both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Senate Republicans will all but assuredly block a final vote, and Democrats lack the full support they need to change the filibuster rule. The Senate standoff comes a day after thousands marched on Martin Luther King Day, calling for action on voting rights. At least 11 states have been buried in double-digit snow totals after a winter storm walloped the east. It's the heaviest snowfall most cities have seen all season. Nearly two feet fell in upstate New York, and first responders are struggling to get around in Pennsylvania. This winter storm is also being blamed for flooding along the coast in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Powerful wind gusts mixed with high tide led to submerged streets. And it was a one-sided affair in Los Angeles with the last spot in the NFL's divisional round on the line. The Rams scoring first while their defense had the Cardinals smothered. Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray had no room to breathe, throwing two picks. The Cardinals weren't even able to convert a third down the entire game. The Rams take care of business at home. They advance 34-11. to Brian, those Rams now travel to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Bucks. I don't know if just the Rams looked that good or the Cardinals looked that bad. First off, it was ugly football all around, but I mean, never converting a third down. Maybe Tom Brady could have his hands full. Philip, what do you think? I, I think you're right. I think this team, the Rams, have been building up to this point, and it's now or never. I mean, they are loaded with all-stars on the Rams, on both sides of the ball for the Rams. Uh, this is their time. That's right. OBJ, Vaughn Miller, uh, not much of a game. But, Philomena, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. Thank you. Have a great day. Talk to you, you soon. You too. Rams look tough. All right, on deck. As the weather gets cold, power prices heating up. And your morning RBI will show you why many of you up in Boston and other parts of New England may have a little sticker shock on your heating bill this month. This is oil prices climb again. NASDAQ futures, they are down nearly 2%. And just a reminder, if you haven't already, be sure to follow our podcast. We get it. Show's on early. You don't want to wake up early every day. Check out the podcast. Throw it on in the car, your headphones, whatever. We're back right after this. Grab another cup of coffee and get ready because it could be another rough day for your money. Tech stock futures, they are down big as borrowing costs pop. Oil also on the rise, nearing eight-year highs as inflation becomes the market boogeyman. Bank of America's commodity guru is here to show you how you might be able to make some money off of it. And the 5G flight fight taking off as the airlines send a big warning 
about the risks of new cell phone technology. It's all happening on this Tuesday, January 18th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Right, welcome or welcome back and good Tuesday morning, everybody. It is just 528. If you are starting your day in the markets and your money starting the day on a down note, they are the story right now. Stock futures, they're getting hit pretty hard across the board. Dow futures, not off that much, under 1%. But big tech, again, that is the big problem. NASDAQ futures off about 1.75%, more than 200 points. So it could be a very rough at least start, maybe not finish, but start to the market right now. By the way, the VIX, the volatility or the fear gauge, if you will, that is up more than 12% as well. Now, the stock market already in 2022 has really been marked by a big-time flip from years past. You got big oil and big banks, they're hot again. They were ignored for years, while big tech, which made everybody money, suddenly cold. In fact, it didn't get a lot of play, but with last week's move, the overall NASDAQ composite is now negative in the past three months. The NASDAQ 100's up, but the NASDAQ comp, the whole thing, is down over the past 90 days. Now, bond yields rising, a big reason that we are seeing a shift out of certain stocks, not all stocks, but certain stocks like high tech and high valuation. This morning, the 10-year yield, it is popping again. It is at 1.83%. And those are pre-pandemic highs for the bond market. In other words, the bond market, the 10-year yield, has all but wiped out its pandemic lows. Remember, at one point, it was under one-half of 1%. By the way, that made borrowing costs, mortgages, refis, any kind of revolving credit, credit cards even, car loans, it made those rates go way down. So look for those rates to spike in the next couple of weeks. And if you're wondering why yields and stocks matter, well, they do. Look at this chart. This is a one year of the 10-year yield versus the NASDAQ 100. I know it doesn't show a clear move because bonds, they don't move very quickly. But we are seeing that as yields move, look at the far right. They're spiking up, and we're seeing that NASDAQ sort of roll over just a bit. Again, when yields go up, tech stocks, not always, but mostly will come down because the market will compress their multiples. And of course, technology stocks kind of, they run the show. They're all the market weight. So it's kind of hard for the overall averages to go up when big tech goes down. All right. Now, some of this morning's other top headlines, including a warning by the heads of major airlines about the impending rollout of a new 5G wireless service this week. Kind of scary stuff. Savannah Hanau is here with that and more. Savannah, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Thanks. So CEOs of major U.S. commercial and cargo airlines are warning of a potentially catastrophic crisis. The heads of Delta, American, United, Southwest and others sent a letter yesterday to the White House, the FAA, FCC and Department of Transportation. They say a new C-band 5G wireless service that's set to be deployed by AT&T and Verizon could make a significant number of wide-body jets unusable. The FAA has warned potential interference could affect sensitive instruments. AT&T and Verizon agreed to buffer zones around 50 airports to reduce interference. They've argued the new service has been launched in several countries with no problems. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink is defending a movement by shareholders to push companies to focus on issues such as climate change as well as profits. In his annual open letter, Fink says stakeholder capitalism is not about politics. It is not woke. It is capitalism. But he also defends BlackRock's stance of engaging with versus divesting completely from oil and gas companies. 
Our Andrew Ross Sorkin will have more on his conversation with Larry Fink on the matter coming up on Squawk Box at 6 a.m. Eastern. And Kohl's is coming under pressure from a hedge fund to take action, including a potential sale. The Wall Street Journal says Mselem Advisors has a roughly 5% stake in the retailer. It's urging Kohl's to add more board members with retail experience or hire bankers to explore a sale or other transaction. Kohl's shares are down about 20% since it settled a previous proxy fight last April. Brian, back to you. Yeah, Savon, I don't know about you. When I fly, I don't want the words catastrophe oh or catastrophic no anywhere near my airplane. That, that is terrifying We're to talking hear. about cell phones yeah. disrupting flights, and yet somehow there's a debate about this. No thanks. Exactly. Turn the phone off yeah. so we can Absolutely. land. Yeah, yeah, yes, Savannah, it's not that hard. <laughs> All right. No, it's not that hard. All right. You know what is hard? A lot of commodities. Let's talk more now about commodities and inflation because we know that you know the price of oil and gas have gone up in the past year. Oil's up 60%. It's higher again right now. But did you know that it is not just the liquids? In fact, nearly every type of commodity that we follow is up in price. Look at these one-year moves. One-year moves. Lumber has basically doubled. At morning coffee you're drinking now, up 87% in the, bond, in the markets. Aluminum, 48% gain in 12 months. Coil steel, is there any other kind? Up 40%. Orange juice, up 22%. And then all your foods, cattle, hogs, and corn, all up double digits in 12 months. Now, there are some commodities that are down in the past year, ones you probably don't care at all about. Metals like platinum and palladium, and that's pretty much, that's about it. All right, so let's find out where there may be still some good opportunities for your money with Francisco Blanche, B of A Securities, Head of Global Commodity and Derivatives Research. Francisco, great to have you on. Really important time. Uh, I want to start with oil and gas. That's the story. 85-buck oil in America again this morning. That's above your price target, my friend, I believe. Are you going to have to revisit that, or you think this might be the peak for oil prices this year? Well, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's actually not uh, quite above our price target. We've been talking about triple-digit oil by the second quarter for uh, several months now. And I, I mean, I think one of the one of the bigger issues that we face in terms of oil is that inventories are at a very, very low point. Uh, demand is about to surge as uh, we go past this Omicron wave over the course of the next month or so. And uh, importantly, OPEC starting to run tight. Uh, we believe uh, Russia's uh, spare capacity will be done and over with by February. So we're going to become increasingly reliant on Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to supply those incremental barrels here. Um, it, it's going to get tightened to yeah. the summer. Triple digital is coming. Okay, so I'm going to utter the three hardest words in television, Francisco. I was wrong. I had your target down here as 82. Obviously, maybe that was a target from 1922. Who knows? So what is your price target <laughs> for U.S. and Brent crude? So we, we have Brent at $95 a barrel on average for the uh, second quarter. and We got WTI $3 under. Uh, but again, that's the average price. So uh, most likely we'll see triple digits. Uh, into the summer months because there's going to be a competition uh, at the refinery level to produce more gasoline, more jet fuel, more diesel, because as soon as, uh, uh, you know, we get through this wave, I think everyone's going to be out on the move. And I, I, when I mean everyone, I don't just mean everyone in the U.S. I think I think the world's ready 
to get moving again. Remember, um, services have been lagging. International air travel has been lagging. Yep. And all of that's going to change, I, I think, in the next three months. So um, I, yeah. my, my worry is that we don't have enough energy to, to make ends meet uh, in the next three months. Maybe we end up with a, with a bigger spike. And, um, and, and, and again, um, prices are just signals. Uh, we are going to have to slow in demand somehow. Yeah. We're going to have to encourage more shale supply. And until now, we, we just haven't done so that much, right? So, And I know, and I know, Frank, I want to veer off just a little bit here. I, I know you're a commodities guru. You're not an epidemiologist. I am neither, but you can look at, you can look at right. forecasts. You can look at smart people. And the IHME, they basically are showing, and I know it's going to be a very rough couple of weeks here, probably for healthcare workers and people in America and the South and West as Omicron moves. But if you look at the recent trends in Europe and here in the Northeast, thank God, the right. IHME estimates and Pfizer's CEO over the weekend, you could right. make the case that the pandemic is, quote, over by April. And I don't mean over like there's no cases and some people don't struggle. I right. just mean from a global going perspective. Is that kind of your view that the world gets back to a, a semi-state of normal travel impacting commodities? Uh, yeah, that's, that's our view. We think that we get to a semi-normal state. Uh, I think the, the big question mark is how does China react? Remember, um, China is, is the world's second largest oil <clears throat> consumer. America consumes about 20 million barrels a day. China consumes a little over 15 million barrels a day. So what happens in China matters. And, um, and I, you know, I think obviously China needs to get through the, the, the Winter Olympics. Um, how, that, how they handle Omicron there is going to be very important if they go through uh, mass lockdowns across the country. Demand could take a hit and that could provide some relief. Yep. But I think if China takes a more relaxed view on, uh, more relaxed view on, 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 on coronavirus, then uh, we have even more demand. So it, it's, it's problematic. And, I, you know, by the way, you, you mentioned corn there, 12 percent up on the year. The reality of the matter is. Uh, we have a massive increase in the price of fertilizer, uh, but also uh, harvesting corn yep. and wheat and soy takes a lot of oil, takes a lot of diesel. Uh, you have to irrigate, uh, you have to harvest, uh, you have to plant. There's a lot of things you got to do that take a lot of oil. And then, of course, you have to fertilize, which takes natural gas. So all of that is going to feed into higher food prices as well. So I think the commodity price inflation we're seeing will continue over the course of the next 6, 12 months. It's going to put is central there... banks in a very uncomfortable position here, Brian. Yes, yes, it is. And quickly, before we let you go, Francisco, is there one commodity right now, hard, soft, whatever it may be, that you and your team are recommending to your clients more than others? Um, so we think we think within the metals, uh, probably uh, nickel and aluminum are, are the right places to be at the moment. Um, we think within energy, probably oil into the summer. And if you want to be with more specific, you could you could go for gasoline or, or diesel. And then within the grains, we think or within the agricultural space, I mentioned uh uh, most likely corn as a potential big beneficiary yeah. of, of these trends. Well, if we don't want to drive or eat, I guess everything will be just fine. Francisco Blanche exactly. of Bank of America Securities. Yeah, we appreciate it. Got a lot of our viewers right now Googling electric bike. Francisco, thank you very much. All right, coming up, another big week for big bank earnings. We're going to get you ready with KBW's R.J. Grant. We're back after this. Stock futures. They're down 1.5% on the NASDAQ, oil above 85. We'll see you on the other side of this short break.
All right, welcome back. Well, bank earnings continue to roll out this week. You got some heavy hitters out there. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, all releasing their quarterly numbers and more importantly, their guidance. Now, the report's coming after last week's results from Citi reported a 26% drop in profits. J.P. Morgan posting its smallest quarterly earnings beat nearly two years. It beat, but it wasn't by as much as many had expected or hoped. And its CFO lowered guidance on company-wide returns. Joining us now for a look at what this week might hold is R.J. Grant, head of equity trading at KBW, a Stiefel company. Uh, R.J., good to have you back on. What are you looking for this week? How has the, the themes and the focus sort of changed, if at all, from J.P. Morgan's numbers last week? This morning? Uh, that's a great question. So Friday was a pretty wild day in the markets, especially within the, the dynamics of the, the financials tape. Um, you know, J.P. Morgan was a bit of a surprise with higher expenses. Now, investors, I think, are going to be looking to see if higher expenses uh, at the banks um, are a theme going forward. Now, I think, um, you know, we, what we saw Friday was a big unwind of larger cap bank exposure. More of the universal banks kind of sold off. The banks that are more levered to capital markets activity. Um, normalizing. And what we saw starting kind of midday after the after the initial weakness was investors coming into more of the regional bank names that are levered to higher rates. And I think that that is probably going to be a trade, especially on a, a relative basis. I'm not sure on an absolute basis, especially if the tape continues to be weak. But I think that trade, that that relative trade of getting into regional banks that benefit from higher rates and kind of away from the the more the universal banks that are levered to more um, yep. you know, the FIC trading, M&A, and, and, and different types of fees that they've been generating over the past couple of years. I think that's going to continue. And, and I think if what I'm hearing is through, through it, RJ, is this. I know that we're CNBC, and, and we love the big banks. We love J.P. Morgan and Goldman. We love talking about them. But... It sounds like we're going to MBBA, make banking boring again. That is, rates rise up. It's going to be these, these spread lenders, as you call them, these regional banks that we don't talk about very much. They, you know what they do? They collect deposits and they lend money. That's it. But it sounds like those might be the places to be. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you nailed it. I mean, we, uh, it has been such a long time since we've gone through a rate hike uh, rate hiking cycle. I mean, we tried a little bit toward the end of 2018. That didn't work out too well. So we've been stuck in this lower for longer environment where investors within financials have been looking, um, you know, looking for financials that can pull on other levers, such as strong M&A, strong trading, whether it's fixed income or equity and fees. And I think what you're going to see over the course of 2022 is I think you're going to see that trade kind of go the other way to your point where, you know, we're going to get back to a little bit more boring, traditional, um, you know, regional bank names that lead us higher, especially on a relative basis. Yeah, the KBW NASDAQ Bank Index and the BKX, they're at or near all-time highs. So your, your named indexes, RJ, are doing great. Are there any names inside those indexes that you guys like more than others right now? Well, so in, into earnings, uh, you know, Congratulations to our bank team. They, it looks like they, our bank research team, it looks like they nailed it pretty well, especially on Friday, um, to, to have more of a tilt toward the, the regionals. I think this week coming up, you know, we like CFG citizens into earnings. It's a, it's a cheap bank that's levered to higher rates. Um, 
you know, I think it gets a little bit harder from here just because to your to your point earlier, banks, uh, whether regional and larger cap banks are, are both up over 10 percent on the index level to start the year. So I think it I think it becomes more of a stock pickers game. So we like the cheaper banks that are still, you know, massively levered to, to higher rates such as Citizens Financial. So CFG would be would be a good pick there. All right, CFG leaving us with a name. We'll call it Opportunity Tuesday here on uh, Worldwide Exchange. RJ Grant of KBW. RJ, we appreciate you getting up early, my man, although I figure you're probably at your desk anyway because it's going to be a big week for you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. All right, thank you. All right, on deck, your morning RBI and why New England may be turning into Old England, at least when it comes to energy costs and power prices. Plus, Victoria Green is back in the house, and she has got some energy stocks that she loves right now. We'll name some names coming up after this. Futures, they're down big. NASDAQ off 1.5%. We're back right after this. Today's RBI asked the question, is New England the new England? Put another way, is Boston the new London? And not in the fun way. This is about energy costs, because something big and bad happened over the weekend. Electricity costs skyrocketed across New England. Look at this map of power prices from Sunday. This is a screenshot of the real-time energy wholesale electricity price from ISO New England. It shows electricity per megawatt hour at more than $200 across various zones. You're thinking, all right, Sullivan, what does that mean? Well, the daily average last January for the month, the daily average was $43.75. And that average was nearly 70% higher than the average price for January of 2020, which arguably was very low at the time. But in other words, for a period on Sunday, New England wholesale electricity prices spiked to nearly 700% of the monthly average of two years ago. It's because super cold weather surged demand for power to heat homes, and a big chunk of power production had to be made up with oil. Yes, oil. Well, now that we've got your attention, let's chill out a bit. Does this mean that your heating bill is going to go up by 700%? Of course not. It was one day, and the costs you pay are probably regulated or even fixed. But that does mean somebody, somewhere, is going to pay. And it also means that if this cold continues and New England has to import natural gas and oil by giant ships and carbon-spewing trucks, your bill will go up, New England. Maybe a lot. Just ask your friends in Old England. Random, but interesting. Oh, and by the way, prices are still extremely elevated. They're not at 200 plus, but I'm looking right now at a live market map of the prices around the Boston area. 145 per megawatt hour today and the day ahead, because they forecast the next day as well, 155. A reminder, the average price per megawatt hour was about $45 last year. We're now at $145. By the way, less than 100 miles from one of the biggest natural gas fields in the United States. All right, speaking of oil and energy, your next guest was bullish on these stocks, but almost nobody else was last year. And she may be getting even more bullish now. Let's welcome back in our friend Victoria Green of G Squared Private Wealth. Uh, Victoria, great to have you back on. And by the way, great calls, because last year, you know, I get it. And there's still a lot of people that will say they'll never invest in oil and gas stocks again. You're there in Texas and you said there are names that we can 
confidently invest in and feel good about it. So congrats. What sort of did you see that maybe others missed? I think the ESG trend is, is obviously the long-term trend, but it takes a long time to adopt. And, and so we looked at where prices were, where uh, production was, the number of rate counts, and you realize there was probably going to be a shortage. Uh, so we, we liked that. As we also liked it as a historically a great inflation offset. So uh, we were happy to be a little bit early. Um, you know, I think we're, it's a trend we're going to continue to ride. Uh, but I think people need to understand, while ESG is the future and EVs and solar, uh, there's still a lot of technology and infrastructure to, to figure out out. So we looked around and said, somebody's got to be running all these cars. And, and also, as you pointed out, the power back up. Somebody's providing jet fuel. So uh, we're, we're glad that they've had this run. Uh, I think it's a great place in the market to be. And it also doesn't have the, the issues that the tech variables have right now with, with where multiples are so high. Yeah, and they might bet multiples, by the way, have, were, not now, but they were when you started talking about these stocks at multi-year or decade lows. By the way, yeah. are you trimming any at all, though, Victoria? They've had, I mean, remarkable runs, some of them in just a couple of weeks. I know. And if you look at it, you've had a lot of the EMPs, you know, as we talked about on Bullish, on Devin, Fang, EOG, uh, and uh, also Conoco. They're, they're all in the EMP space in the Permian. Uh, right now, we're just kind of letting them run. We are looking to, to pull back a little bit if oil hits above 100. Oil above 100 really isn't as sustainable. We'd like it to stay in the 70 to 80 sweet spot. At above 100, first off, you start bringing more supply online, uh, attracting more rigs to come on pastors. OPEC may uh, stop playing quite as nice, as well as then it also is a drag on the consumer's wallet. And we don't want that. We want this economy to still be strong. We don't want to be having people having to sacrifice consumer spending because they're having to fill up their tank. And, and over 100 has historically been difficult to sustain. The ETFs, of course, they've been recommended a lot. I'll be, by the way, viewers, tune in. I'll be hosting Fast Money at 5 p.m. tonight. I call it 10 the hard way. Uh, and we talk a lot about ETFs sometimes, OIH, XOP, XLE. Those are made up of a bunch of companies. Sounds like, Victoria, you're saying that you need to go with best of breed. A diamondback, Travis Stice. We interviewed the CEO in November in Houston. Very optimistic. Bill Thomas, EOG, always in the list of top management. Is that kind of a you got to be a stock picker, not a macro buyer? I think you do want to be in the right place. And the, the names I like be, is because they're shareholder friendly and they're not going back to the wildcatting days. And I think that's one of the differences in this crude rally. Uh, you're not seeing all of this demand suddenly come on. They're very, very disciplined with their capital and they're very uh, shareholder friendly. And they're going to be free cash flow generators. They're going to be cash cows. And a lot of them have this fixed plus variable dividend now where over 50 percent of free cash flow is now being distributed as, as a variable dividend as well as their base dividends. And so you're going to be in a market that, one, is a great inflation offset, two, typically does well during a period of rising rates in a growing economy. Three, the industry has shifted much more shareholder friendly. Yeah. Instead of CapEx, now you're seeing the money return to shareholders. So, yes, buy the names that you like. Be picky. It's going to matter what you own this year. Yeah, they're putting the money in a check in the mail to shareholders, not in a new well down in a hole in the ground. Victoria Green calling these names before so many others. Victoria, we do appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. Oh, you're very welcome. Good call there by Victoria Green. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We're leaving. I'm sorry, with stock futures down, we are seeing NASDAQ futures off about 1.5%. Oils on the rise. Ten-year yields, they're popping. I'm going to say goodbye, but I'll see you in 11 hours on Fast Money. You cannot afford to miss that tonight, but right now, Walking the gang, picking up all your valuable coverage next. Have a great day.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.